You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. DJ All we do is win, 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 no matter what. Well, we won one game, Browns fans, and it's not a dream. It might be a Christmas miracle, but the Cleveland Browns Browns are off the schneid and are now with one win. They are staying out of the conversation with the Detroit Lions. There will be no parade, though there will be a donation to uh, the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, from what I understand, from the those who are kind of organizing that parade, which is great, but we have a Browns victory, Browns fans. And so the conversation about the team and the the interesting thing about that is the narrative changes just because of one win. And to give you kind of some perspective on that, the San Diego Chargers could have hit that last second field goal. They could have hit the field goal that was uh, blocked. They could have hit both of those and ended the game with another Browns victory. And really at some level, there wouldn't have been a significant change, right? Think about that. The overtime, uh, if they would have gotten to overtime and the Browns lost uh, the the coin flip or, you know, something had happened and they had lost the game, there really wouldn't have been a significant change in what the team's makeup is, how good or good they're not. But what would have changed was you saw the reaction of the team, of just kind of the organization, Uh, and of the fan base by the win. And so while functionally kind of on the field, there's not a huge change just because the Browns won a game instead of losing the game. You can tell that there's a significant change, there's significant impact on the fans, on the players, on the organization, which also tells you this. They're fighting for that win next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They want to win. They want to win games. And so they weren't really that concerned about losing the number one overall pick, though the San Francisco 49ers decided that winning was also important to them, which you saw from kind of their reaction uh, going for two, getting it, all of that kind of stuff. The Browns were able to kind of re- return to that number one spot, so they got the win and they have the number one overall pick. The interesting thing for the Browns, and we'll talk about it throughout the week, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are now kind of stuck where they're at basically, not exactly, but they're in the playoffs. Um, And so whether they rest Roethlisberger, Bell, Antonio Brown will be very, very interesting and could be very decisive about whether the Browns leave the season with one win or they can have a two-game winning streak going into next year, which I do think could change some things when it comes to free agency, when it comes to the draft, looking at drafting some players who are maybe going to be able to impact a little quicker Uh, than looking at maybe a higher upside or trading down, those kind of things. But we have a win. And so I think Browns fans can feel a little sense of relief that they don't have to be the butt of the jokes, that they don't have to uh, just accept failure. And when you saw how the players have played for Hugh Jackson, Ray Horton, Pep Hamilton, and the rest of the coaches, I think it's pretty clear that the players believe in what's happening around there. Now, they may not love that uh, Mitchell Schwartz and Alex Mack are kind of gone, but there is a high level of belief about 
Hugh Jackson and what they are putting together. And when you're thinking about foundation, that's what's really important. You're going to need a foundation of players. But here's the thing. Even if this draft only has two or three impact players, right now that'd be Emmanuel Agba, Corey Coleman, and possibly Carl Nassib. Even if it's just those two or three that are impact players, I think it's really clear that the rest of the, the draft can provide some foundation pieces of um, some wide receivers with some talent, some special teams players who can make impacts, some defensive and offensive linemen who can be solid contributors. They may not be great, but I think we've seen that Spencer Drango can be a solid contributor. Um, again, may not be great, but a solid contributor. I think we see uh, that gives us some belief that Sean Coleman, just in his limited time, can be a solid contributor, a starter on the offensive line. I think you see with uh, Kindred, you see a, a heavy hitting safety. I think with Ricardo Lewis, you see someone at minimum who can run really fast down the field, uh, both as a gunner as well as a wide receiver. Um, and he has played pretty well as a gunner, actually. And so I think uh, what this win does is it allows many people to join me, to join me on the side of hope, to join me on the side of excitement, so that there is something to this team, there is something to what the Browns are putting together, and there is a chance for something special. This was not going to be a game or a season where the Browns were going to win a ton of games, but they have been competitive. They have fought for their coach. They have fought for each other. There have been glimpses of some great talent. And then they've been not not there. You know, there's glimpses. But there are very few rookies outside of really Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. There are a few others, but there are very few rookies who put together full seasons for lots of reasons. But Agba, even Nasib a little bit, and Corey Coleman a little bit, um, have shown that they can be dynamic impact players, not to mention the development of Danny Shelton, who has gone from, oh, he's going to be a bust and doesn't understand it, to just a beast in the middle of the defensive line. I think now fans, media, uh, national media can start to put a positive spin on things, can look for the positives. When the Browns were losing all of their games, it was a natural inclination for fans, the media, everybody to to just look for the negatives. And so I, I'm, I'm embracing the opportunity. Join me on this side, fans. Join me on this side, media, where you're looking for the positives. The Browns won a game. They won a game against the San Diego's Chargers team that has a very good, good quarterback, a lot of injuries, obviously. That was, But they won the game. And that means we can now look at those positives. We can look at the hope. We can look at Isaiah Cruella's possibly a bell cow back. We can look at Duke Johnson as an impactful player uh, at the running back position. We can look at a defense who can can get some stuff done. Join me on that side of positivity, Browns fans, because when you do, it's a lot more fun, and it allows us to look at this upcoming draft in a more positive light, a more exciting light, and I think that's all we can ask for as the season's gone on. So as always, um, it's a good time, though, to focus on some of the statistics, some of the data, some of the interesting things that we know from, from yesterday's game. And so just to give us a feel for where things were. And so um, the Browns defense really limited the Chargers running attack. And I think it's something that we know the Browns want to focus on. Obviously, it helps that Melvin Gordon was out. But again, uh, nine carries for 28 yards uh, for Farrow. 
nine carries for six yards for Hillman. And then obviously Phillip Rivers ran one time for no yards uh, as he was kind of scrambling out of there. So something the Browns need to do in the AFC North, they were able to do against the San Diego Chargers. Great. Phillip Rivers, on the other hand, only completed 50% of his passes, 23 of 46, a whopping 322 yards, had two touchdowns and had one interception. And so I think when you see a volume amount of passes, 46 attempts, um, you're going to expect some big yardage, right? I mean, you you don't see 46 attempts and not expect a ton of yardage. If you look over Robert Griffin, he had 25 attempts for 164 yards. And so, again, extrapolate that, double that basically to 50 attempts. And Robert Griffin III would be looking at 328 yards, right? So very close to Phillip Rivers. So when you have 46 attempts, you're going to have a lot of yardage. And again, two touchdowns, and there were a lot of really good plays. Um, the Chargers kind of unearthed, uh, mummified Antonio Gates, targeting him 13 times. Uh, he had eight receptions for 94 yards and a touchdown. Travis Benjamin hit for that big 50-yarder at the beginning of the game, but after that only ended up with 75 yards. Um, and then they just had a lot of production out of uh, Ty Williams uh, and Inman, uh, both who were targeted a ton, but just because the ball was thrown to them a lot, Nine attempts or nine targets for Williams, 10 for Inman. They only caught seven combined on those 19 targets, um, but were able to put together some decent yardage 64 yards and 44 yards. And so, overall, while Rivers threw for 322 yards, that's going to happen when you're throwing the ball so much, right? And so, not that we love it, not that we love that there was a 50 yard gain, a 27 yard gain, a 25 yard gain. We don't like some of those quote unquote bigger plays. I think you have to realize that those stats are based on a lot of attempts. And so you're going to get a lot of yardage at some point in time. On the flip side, you look over at the Browns, and look at that. 16 carries for Isaiah Crowell. The Browns were in and winning this game for a little while, ended up with 16 attempts. That's something we've been pushing for for a long time for Crowell. Even though he only had 55 yards or 54 yards, Overall, those attempts help run the clock, which we'll talk about here in a second for time of possession, but they also take a lot of pressure off the quarterback um, and can wear down a defense, allowing things to kind of explode later in the game. And so Crowell needs carries as long as the game is close. So when I say close, 10 points or less is close to me, as long as you're not talking about mid to late fourth quarter. And so even at the beginning of the fourth quarter, if the Browns are down 10, I think Hugh Jackson needs to start giving Crowell the ball. So 16 carries, great. Duke had seven for 28 yards, but that's kind of skewed a little bit because he had his long of 22. And so really had six carries for six yards uh, besides that long carry. But they all count, right? They all are kind of breaking down the defense. I think what you saw in the run game is how important Robert Griffin III or someone who can run the ball can be. And so uh, Griff had six attempts for 42 yards. Um I think he puts a different kind of scare into the defense. He opens things up for Crowell and Duke uh, like we saw yesterday. And so uh, in the run game, we while we didn't have huge numbers, we had over 100 yards. We had almost 30 carries and we had two touchdowns. So the run game really kind of was uh, the key to the game for the Browns. In the past game, Griffin was was consistent, was efficient, 17 of 25. Eight incompletions. Some of them weren't great. That's fine. 
for 164 yards. Um, but he was efficient with the ball. And so while many people talk about him not having touch and uh, not being able to go downfield, 17 and 25, he really didn't have a lot of long passes. You're talking about 21, 21, 18, 17. It was a lot of kind of short to medium passing that allowed the Browns to kind of chew up yardage, chew up the clock a little bit, um, but no interceptions. And Cody Kessler had two attempts, I'm sorry, three attempts, two completions for 11 yards. So I think while Griffin didn't put up huge numbers, and I don't want to kind of explode that Griffin is amazing and kind of say he's now going to be the starter. I've been really clear over the years that I don't know if Hugh Jackson is going to be willing to give up on Robert Griffin III. And I'm not sure this front office is going to be willing to give it up either, especially when you look at them drafting currently first and 10th at number one, they going for a quarterback might be difficult with miles Garrett on the board. And then at number 10, the top three quarterbacks might be gone which will do two things. One, the Browns aren't likely to reach for a fourth quarterback at number 10, and two, push a lot of more talent down the line. And so if the Browns can leave the draft with Miles Garrett and either Jonathan Allen uh, or Jamal Adams, the safety out of LSU, what an amazing draft and what a defensive changing draft that can be if the Browns are okay with going with Robert Griffin III, Cody Kessler, and maybe a Luke Falk type uh, developmental quarterback later in the draft. But Griffin was efficient. So while we're not saying he's amazing, he's great, he's perfect, whatever, I think we just have to be honest about the fact that he played really well during his time. I'm not going to lump in his concussion with injuries because anybody can get concussed. That doesn't say anything about his ability to stay on the field or not on the field. He's not on the field but I don't think Cody Kessler would be on the field. Josh McCown would have been on the field with the hit that he took. And so, um, and it looked like he was even trying to protect himself some with the way he went into the one tackle, just happened to have the other guy coming at him and just couldn't get his head out of the way. But receptions, uh, again, spread around really. A lot of different players got targets, uh, which are kind of important to me. Receptions are one thing. Targets are really important. So Barnage was six. Coleman and Pryor both had five. Crowell had five. Um, so you're talking about the ball getting spread around to a lot of different people. Um, and so no one had a lot of yardage. Uh, we had three people tied with 21 yards. Uh, Barnage had 42. Pryor had 36. Uh, 15 and 15 for Coleman and Vitali, who, again, I think is going to be an interesting fullback down the road for the Browns. And again, the Browns are drafting and looking for really, really talented, smart players who stay out of trouble off the field. And so you're going to see a lot of high value in fast, can run fast, can jump high, those kind of players, because the Browns believe they can coach them up and develop them to be great players. And so Vitali is one of those. Uh, they call him the super back. And then defensively, we had a lot of different people making plays um, that I think uh, the Browns should start to feel a little bit better about where they are if they can bring back Jamie Collins. The game book, uh, looking at some of the playing time, um, there's a lot of interesting things when you look at playing time. Uh, normally I look at uh, wide receivers, tight ends, those kind of guys. Um, Rashad Higgins only got 10 snaps, which was 14%. Uh, Ricardo Lewis only had three as a wide receiver. Um, you really had uh, Hawkins getting 58% of the snaps. Coleman uh, got 86%. Pryor, 93. Barnage, 96. So uh, really had a, some of the top guys really took most of the snaps. Uh, but next year, I think you're going to see Hawkins' snaps 
uh, go to Higgins uh, and have Higgins and Pryor on the outside uh, and Coleman doing a lot of the inside work uh, where he can really be dynamic, even though he's quote unquote an outside receiver. I think you're going to see those three, uh, especially Pryor and Coleman moved inside more. And then on, on defense, um, Kirksey, Ed Reynolds, and Jamie Collins played 100% of the snaps. And so while there's talk about Collins taking plays off and not getting a lot of effort, he's in there 100% of the time. Uh, he didn't ask out of the game, any of those kind of things. Um, Demario Davis, the man he sort of replaced, only at 34% of the snaps. Cam Johnson at 50%. Um, surprisingly, because of how normal normally cornerbacks play, Joe Hayden only played 57%. But obviously injury uh, played a big part in that. Uh, and then Tracy Howard jumped in for 37%. So uh, nothing really too surprising there uh, from the Browns, but just some interesting stats. So Browns fans, we are we got the win. Next week against the Steelers is a chance for a second win. And moving into this offseason on a winning streak. And so while some Browns fans aren't going to be happy about the idea of winning another game and what that would do to the draft status, I think overall we have to be excited about everything that we've seen from the Browns. And now I get to say that with a win in my pocket, as opposed to before where I felt like I was fighting against a lot of people to say, there's a lot of good on this team. There's a lot of good that had happened. And so I will continue to pound that drum, not as a homer, not as a guy who's only looking for the positives, but there's no fun in looking at the negatives. Often they're pretty clear. It's finding the positives that seems to be unusual, both for Browns fans and for Browns media. An example of that is Cameron Irving. While Irving has his struggles, which I am clearly stated, he has played well over the last half of the season in different areas. He's had his struggles. He's had those those mean, gif-worthy kind of crappy blocks, all of that kind of stuff. But he has played well. At all, in a lot of his experience, in a lot of his time in the second half. But that's looking for the positives. You can find the negatives in every player. You can find holds and you can find um, missed coverage and those kind of things. When you're focused on it, you find it. Browns fans, hopefully this win allows you to focus on some of the positives. Going into week 17 of the NFL season, where the Browns are looking currently at the first and 10th picks in the first round, four picks in the top. 50, and the Tennessee Titans struggling without Marcus Mariota uh, could lose again, which will move their pick up in the second round a little bit. The best the Browns can do, it looks like, is first and eighth uh, with the Eagles pick at eight. Uh, but again, two picks in the top 10 is, should be great for the Browns. So we got a lot to look at, and we will continue to do that. Again, watch for all my coverage of the Browns here on Locked on Browns, on part of the Locked on Browns podcast. You can also get all my written information on the OBR, which is the OBR.com, a part of the Scout Media Network. And again, you can get me at Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.